Shoe talk. Recorded? Live. Live recorded. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one of the best. <laughs> You know, the, the, the music was going up and down like people that be playing a game with their hands. I know, right? They, they, they got to move the joystick as they jump. Like Turn down the volume so mom can yell at you for a second and then turning it back up. Turn it right back up. Done. Yeah, total, yeah. Flashback, total flashback. Oh, man. Uh, it's showtime, my fellow turkeys. Welcome to the Comic Gamani Show. Once a month, we cover the topics in the universe of comic, video games, and anime. Feel free to join us every month for this show or during our regular regular podcast every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Let me introduce you to my fellow members of the Guardians of the Galaxy to Geek Soul Brothers, Cosmo. Yes, I went Cosmo this time. Woof. The Nerdy Venoms. What? Woof. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> First, we have Shadow Scout. Hello, world. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Never. No. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we never are with you, Shadow. Uh, next up, we have Toby One Kenobi. Yes, I am here. Feel the force. <laughs> next up is our is our surrogate tweeter, our sweet tweet himself, M Dog. Happy almost Turkey Day! Gobble 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 gobble. <laughs> it was like too too many gobbles. Just yeah, too many gobbles. <laughs> too too out. That's like that's like shaking at the urinal. It's one too many times. It's considered something else. Anyway, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> keep it moving. Uh, and of course we have Dalek on the call. So if people are asking me, what's the chance I'll be seeing Justice League tomorrow? Oh, I don't know about thirty six percent. So there's a chance. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, we have a guest returning to us after more than a year since the last time she was on. So, if unless anyone wants to just go into the interview, we can start with what we've read, watched, or played with the, uh, the last month around the table, starting with, of course, Iron. Oh, is that me? Yes. That's you. <laughs> I'm good with Spike. Spike is totally fine. Hello, everybody. What I have played? Watch. Gosh. Um. Well, I'm. I'm very. I'm very late to this. I, I understand that. So whatever. But I just got done watching most of season one of Westworld, and the first, oh. the first fifteen minutes of the first episode, I was like, okay, wow, no. But I had friends go, no, 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 just keep going, just keep going. And now I, I really, really love it. I'm all about Maeve. I'm all about Bernard. I'm all about everything that's going on with that show. The subtexts are really, really biting. There's a lot uh, going on just in the storyline that I'm super into. I don't want to say a ton because my friends did me the favor of not spoiler, spoiling it for me. So all I can say is the first 15 minutes of episode one are extremely rough, mm-hmm. but 
like power through them because believe it or not, what happens isn't HBO just being HBO. It's important to the storyline. It is an actual overarching theme that is addressed. It's not sort of what's the word I'm looking for. It's not salacious. It's a plot. Fantastic. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. like honestly, I've been enjoying your tweets about the show, and I didn't have any interest in the show, but I think I'm going to sit down this holiday and at least give a few episodes a watch. (laughs) Yeah, I watched the first episode. I didn't care for it that much. I never got past that though. I had a sneak preview of the first episode, and I was just like, I'm not watching this. And then I finally got home and said, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And after, just like what Spike is saying, after that few minutes, let it go, and you will be on for a ride. Okay, I figure i got to give a serious HBO show a chance, because I dumped Game of Thrones like on episode one of season one. So Yeah, I got Prime um, against HBO, because I read... You know, when, Ga- when Game of Thrones was a song of ice and fire, that's like how I still mentally refer to it. I read those, and then yeah. I saw what they changed, and I was like, no. And no. I thought they were doing that again with Westworld, but I assure you, they are absolutely not. So that's, oh, what, I've been, that's what I've been watching. As far as what I've been playing, I know, let's ask my games library. I have, I have Steam open right now. And <laughs> I, should, I should tell everyone right now, um, if you look at my Steam, it's going to say I have played 35 hours of, like, Sims 3 this week. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, oh. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am not playing it. It's simply open, and here is why. And this is, like, a trick a lot of cartoonists use. I am not alone in it. Um, Sims 3 is an old game, and it has a huge fan community that makes fan stuff. And as a result, there are thousands and thousands of items, haircuts, clothes, whatever, that you can go out there and get and download for free. When Mm -hmm. I am making a comic and I need an environment, I go into Sims 3 and I build the room. And then I take a screenshot <laughs> of a multiple angle. Oh, and I do wow. That is, I'm, I'm still in that. I hope you don't mind. God, and here I thought using like SketchUp was smart, but then using Sims 3 so you get a video Yo, game and something to work I'm on. I'm doing it hard. I'm like using Poser and creating my own like environment. Yeah, I could have just been doing that all the time. Thank you. Sims 3 is awesome. <laughs> it's like, I use it for that. I have a lot of friends who use it for that. And um, a lot of friends also use SketchUp, but Sims 3 is faster. And it's yes. just like... Wow! Never thought of that. Dude, we learned it. You're gonna have to come back like every month um, with a tip. (laughs) So honestly, it's like that's what I've been, you know, sort of air quotes playing because that's what my Steam will tell you I've been playing. And uh, listening to, uh, gosh, music-wise, I'm I'm always behind the curve music-wise, like always. And when I find a song I like, I basically sit there and listen to it obsessively over and over. So I'm like that worst roommate you've ever had who like played super bass like 12 times. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, so, so like my wife, in other words. <laughs> actually, I, I used to steal the CDs from my roommates that did that. And then I would actually fall in love with the groups. That's how I started like opening my <laughs> my music collection. It's like, okay. For you. me, uh, and again, this is once again me being like late to the party in, in all things. Um, I This year, I got really into Childish Gambino. Yes. Yeah. That is yes. my man. I've been telling and, people since the first drop y'all should have been listening yeah. to him. And um I really, really, really like and identify with sweatpants. I really like sweatpants. <laughs> so it's like it's me just sitting there with like, you know, there are sites you can go to that basically if you load the YouTube or whatever in a um 
in a window, it'll just repeat over and over and over <laughs> the video. So that's all I've been doing. I've been sitting, working on comics, answering emails, listening to Sweatpants by Childish Gambino. Oh, God. Over and over and over. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember my mind was blown when I found out he does the vocals for Redbone himself without any modulation. Yeah, I really, it's just, I'm, I'm sorry that I was not aware of this song because it's like, it's, I have the same feeling for it that for about five months straight I had for Wait For It from Hamilton. So, <laughs> like, that's, it, it me, like that feeling. So, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. Okay. Uh, Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> you know who we got on the call tonight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, I no, that I was an asked. excellent answer. You had that. Uh, uh, Toby. Um, let's keep it on Gambino. Um, I've, I like went through his uh, TV show, Atlanta. Yo. I still need to watch that. Dude, it is the funniest. It, it starts off in a, like a weird kind of way kind of like the way he likes to work and at first you don't totally know what you're getting but by the end of that first episode yeah. you're like i think i got it by the second episode you're like i know i got it and by the third episode you're like i thought i had it but throughout yeah. all of them you laugh. it is yeah. so funny dark undertone humor that is just like you start laughing and you're like wow yeah no the Migos <laughs> episode is probably my favorite nice yeah yeah, it, it, to add to the list. <laughs> so yeah, definitely catch his show. That's what I did. I've been watched. I'm um, binge watched that. Um, I game wise, I went back. I am playing uh, the the Batman games thanks to Telltale. But um, oh, okay, no, but I'm going back to like um, he's changing his like, answers. Origin. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, no, no. I'm playing all the Batman games, but oh, I'm okay. playing them the in games, order. Oh, yeah, the Arkham, Arkham. Arkham series. Okay. Yeah, because okay. of because of Telltale, all of I've been games. wanting Batman again. So I'm playing Arkham again, but I'm playing them in order because you know they gave them to us kind of out of order. So I'm, yeah. I'm playing them uh-huh. straight through, and I just got finished with Origin. And um, oh, and I'm doing the Assassin's Creed because if everybody knows me, I am a big Assassin's Creed. That's the fan. new one, right? The new one. Oh, how many kitty cats have you petted? I heard uh, cat petting. Dude, I killed one by mistake. Oh no! Oh my god! Yo, he got in the middle of kitty a kitty cat murderer. Yo, not cat. Only it's not a kitty cat killing simulation. It, it popped up and it was just like cats are like you, you don't supposed to kill cats in this and i was just like but yeah. bad i didn't see him there you're supposed to pet yeah, kitty toby. cats not kill them yeah toby you want a kitty cat killing wow. or just play dishonored i'm not a kitty cat killer it was a mistake i was defending the house and it walked in but um but no the game itself is is a great game it's the only game i think that i've taken the most pictures in <laughs> like I, every time I go somewhere, I got a snapshot because the scenery is gorgeous. The animals in it is ridiculous. The AI off the chain. I mean, I'm walking through and I'm actually watching lions attack gazelles, and I'm like, wow. oh, let me let let y'all fight. <laughs> I'm gonna go this way. He's <laughs> like, y'all go ahead. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's what I've been up to. It oh, like and comic. I've downloaded. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Oh my God! I'm sorry. It was tonight. Uh, Shadow Eyes. Wait, oh, Shadow Eyes the comic. 
yeah. my, Shadow Eyes. Another yeah. uh, Iron Circus production. Yeah, I, I was beautiful? going through, and um, I haven't opened it yet. It's I, so I amazing. threw a couple of it. hard copy. It's so good. Oh, yeah. so so yeah. So I'm I I'm, I'm jumping on that. Shadow Eyes. I love everything oh. about it. It's the comic I wish was on the shelf when I was like 12 and wandering through the library. Oh man, so I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. But that's what I'm gonna be reading over the holidays. Nice. Uh, M Dog. Well, I mean, I feel kind of generic, but I've been playing incredibly slowly. But I've been playing Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, that was great. Oh, there is so much to see, and I, I don't get how there's that much to see in this game, but there's that much to see in this game. And I've just been slowly exploring and just taking my sweet-ass time, because like even in, a freaking, even in the desert level, I'm just wandering around aimlessly trying to hit birds, because they have, they have moons, and I need them. And they take forever to cycle the field, and it's like, well, I don't want to follow you. I'm going to wait, so I just chill there and wait for birds to show up near me. But that game is fun, and I need to play it more, and I just haven't had time lately, but, like, I love it. Like, I mean, it's hard to, like, even choose between it or Breath of the Wild and Splatoon 2. But the Switch has been just hitting it out of the park lately, or just since the start with their AAA games, and it's just driving me nuts. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick up a Switch, man. And I'm debating seriously just getting Skyrim and just breaking down and playing it finally, because I think I'm the last one. Skyrim. Yo, I, you need I'm to the last it. one out to you play it. Like, I have it. not played it. Hey, you got a Switch. It, it, it works for you. Skyrim, honestly, it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's it's a game when, the day it came out, I sat down, and I'm not like super proud of this, it's just a fact. I sat down, and I played it for 16 hours straight. Yeah. Wow. No, no, that's, oh, that's, that's what it does. That, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that type, type of game. game. Wow. That yeah. type of game, dude. It's now, so have you good. played? Uh, have you played Breath of the Wild? Uh, do you feel, like? Because everyone always makes that comparison. It's like you know Skyrim, but for Zelda. <laughs> I, I haven't played it. I'm not much of a console gamer, but I've been tempted by Odyssey and Breath of the Wild because I have a lot of friends who do have Switches, and mm-hmm. it's like maybe it's I don't know if I need another distraction because <laughs> I love like I love video games yeah not very unusual I know but at the same time I've got a lot of work to do and it's gotten to the point where I'm not permitted to actually sit down and play a video game unless <laughs> I've gotten 20 emails out the door and wow. I've worked at least three hours on another project and I gotta I, tell you uh yeah. Splatoon 2 that's like like that's like Team Fortress 2's obsession for me nowadays. Oh, but yeah. I love that game. You guys want some bad news? I have some real bad news. Ooh, Overwatch uh, is oh, free right? this weekend. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, Overwatch is free starting 11 a.m. I'm not going to be home this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I'm about God, to fall if they put out Overwatch pit. for Switch, I'd be done. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to fall uh, that pit. I'm about to give that a try because it's like I, I was – so about TF2 when that was popular. I was so about it. But then it's like, as things do, you know, the group kind of like fragmented yeah. and went their own ways. Yeah. But now all my friends are black, back playing Overwatch and Overwatch has all the things I wish TF2 had. You know what I mean? So now it's like, oh, oh God, I don't need to fall into another <laughs> game where I'm playing it two hours every night. I don't have those two hours anymore. God. Uh, <laughs> you better not uh, pick up anything. I know. <laughs> what about you, Dalek? What? Oh, oh, it's my turn. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We actually we, we let you out sometimes. <laughs> we didn't forget you. Um, well, uh, what have I been watching? Um, yeah, well, I've been watching Veep on HBO Go. Um, uh, I've been listening. 
I've, ever since uh, Thor Ragnarok came out you know, uh, and that awesome soundtrack, I've been listening to my old Devo records and uh, oh. playing. Uh, hmm, what have I been playing? But just uh, um, oh yeah, Bot Vice, which is a game I got for like ninety nine cents on Steam. It's really good. It's kind of like uh, Bot Vice. Uh, you ever played uh, Cabal? Yeah. Yeah, I think I have. Cabal or Nom nineteen seventy five or one of those old oh, like uh, over the top. Oh, not yeah, over the top like behind yeah. you're the standing behind the guy and you can only yeah. walk around one single plate. It's like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh wow, that does look similar. Okay, I know exactly the style of game it is. I I, yeah, I know Shadow doesn't play, watch, or read anything. So that's not true. Watch a lot. Oh my but god, she's like, no joke. This she is fake play. news. So I've been playing um, Heronoth, which is amazing. Do y'all know about this? No, what you're gonna have to. You know, you'd be um, bringing up those like out of the shadow yeah, stuff. You know, you know I like that indie stuff. So, so come on, come on. It's amazing. So uh, I don't know if y'all follow her on Twitter, Momo. Uh oh, uh, Momo Pixel. Uh, she's amazing. She created uh, this sort of like eight bit style game. Uh, where basically you are swatting as a black woman all of these white hands coming at you to touch your uh, hair. Uh, <laughs> it is downloading that right now. That sounds hilarious. Oh god. Uh, it's real and I'm loving it. Hair nah. Okay. How do you spell that? Uh, is it like is it like hair nah? Yeah, N A H. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Y'all got to get in on this game, but yeah, no, I'm like... Oh, there it is, Herna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like, this is real. This game is real. It's like, you don't even need VR. It's, yes, it's my so daughters <laughs> are going to be playing this. I, I get it now. Uh, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, tonight, as I've stated and as you've heard, uh, we have an awesome guest with us. Uh, she is the founder of Iron Circus Comics, a comic artist and writer, she is one of the most exuberant guests we've ever had on Kamigamani, to say the least. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Charlie Iron Spike Trotman. Hi, Spike's good. Don't worry. Hi. I know. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Happy to be back. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. Good to have you back. Thank you. It's been a uh, certainly oh. big year and a half for you. It's been a very weird year because it's a year where everything is trash, except, like, <laughs> oh. my career. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. So, you, like, you turn on Twitter and you gaze into the mouth of hell, but then when you go into your, like, your Gmail inbox or you go to, like, a convention, like, everything's going really great. So, it's been a year of contrasts for me. Um, this is Iron Circus Comics' 10th year. It was... Wow. Yeah, hurry for me, right? It was founded in 2007 as primarily, like I honestly didn't think it would ever be anything more than a self-publishing imprint. But thanks to Kickstarter and thanks to people who had faith in me and helped me publish and helped me basically create the, the model I use right now, where basically most books Iron Circus puts out are put on Kickstarter first and then advanced to international distribution. Uh, Iron Circus is a full-fledged publishing company. It's the largest in Chicago. It's wow. got 2,000 square feet downtown Chicago, and that's rapidly becoming not enough. This is our first year with international distributorship, which for reasons that would take like an hour to explain, are a serious choke point in comics. Uh, we no longer <laughs> distribute um, primarily, exclusively through Diamond Distro. 
we distribute through Consortium, which is a distro that specializes in the small press and has recently begun taking on more comics publishers. I'm on there with uh, Koyama Press and 2D Cloud and Uncivilized Books and No Brow and Flying Eye, just a bunch of I was not aware of this at the time, and this in no way motivated my choices, but uh, apparently they're sort of like the cool kid distro. So, <laughs> yeah, all, like, all like the art house comic publishers are using them, and it's been a fantastic experience. It's really opened up my eyes to opportunities that are like simply not available to both independent cartoonists and small press publishers that do not have access to international distro. I've got people messaging me on Twitter going, hey, I saw your books in a comic shop in Germany where I was doing a signing. It was really cool. And it's just been really fun and inspiring. And I um, I did a show in Vancouver for the first time. I did a show in Leeds, England for a first time. Um, I had my biggest, my biggest Kickstarter of all time this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it closed out at uh, $265,000. Wow. Uh, pretty sure 265000 So Damn. over a quarter million. It was for Danielle Corsetto's The Collected Girls with Slingshot. It's the first Woo-hoo. Kickstarter I ran primarily on the road and from England. I launched it at 5 p.m. in, I want to say, Dulles Airport. And I got on the plane. And by the time I got off the plane in, in Leeds, it was funded. And it Dang. just continued to just go, 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 go. And... As a result, Iron Circus hit a million dollars in Kickstarter funding total this wow. year, which was a, go, go, it was a go, 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 go. it was a very big milestone for us. And money like that is all going to be obviously most of it goes to the creator and through to publishing and to uh, fulfillment. But all the stuff Iron Circus gets, the Iron Circus cut is just being plowed right back into finding more artists, finding yeah. more book deals. This year, we signed a creator from Japan for the first Ooh. time. And we signed a creator from South Korea, so we're really excited about that. And we are upping our output significantly. I'm kind of always on the hunt for books that I want to put out these days with an emphasis, as usual, on the strange and amazing. So people are bringing me fantastic, fantastic (laughs) concepts. Um, I'm putting out a book, hopefully. I haven't got the contracts back yet, so I shouldn't say anything. But uh, I'm hopefully putting out a book about uh, witch rally racing. I'm super into that. Uh, uh, there's a book about how do, how do you smoke a weed It's the name of the book, which will be released in April, so 420 of next year. April <laughs> oh, i got to get that for my boy. i got to yeah. get that for my boy. Just in time for nationwide marijuana legalization rollout yes, in Canada, yes. by the way. Ooh. Yeah, it is. Look at you. Look at it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you going to be uh, smoking up some on that day? Uh, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I don't even smoke, and I don't even drink, so it's kind of hilarious I do all these things. But uh, anyway, it's just there's a lot of didactic comics I want to publish, educational stuff. There's a lot of erotica I want to publish. The new Smut Peddler um, is coming out in 2018. It's already underway. It's called uh, Smut Peddler Presents Sex Machine, and it's about <laughs> sex it. with robots and AI and VR and that sort of thing. And our anthology, which I'm also super duper excited about, our all ages anthology for 2018, is called FTL, y'all. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I've been looking awesome. forward to that one. It's so, Oh my God, all the people we picked are so great. But the premise for FTL, y'all, is at some point in the near future, I gave this sort of vague timeline of six months from now, someone will anonymously upload to the internet exact specific and successful schematics 
for building a faster than light engine for under $200 in easily available parts. So now, in theory, the entirety of humanity has unfettered, chaotic, anarchic access to the entire cosmos. There's no NASA or European Space Agency wow. with their hand on the Wow, model. that sounds amazing. How yeah. do you open a mine that far? <laughs> yeah, literally anyone. Literally anyone. That's can, what like, she said. <laughs> anyone can hit pet boys and go and into the garage. For and real, in, in a weekend, they can be on Mars. So that's that, FTL you Never that is such a cool concept. That sounds like a concept that could just go through anything. Movies, yeah, movies video games. It, it should be. It's such a wonderful idea. And I got it primarily from there was a 11-year-old, like how do you even find 11-year-old forum threads these days? But there was an 11-year-old forum thread on a site my husband goes to, RPG.net. And it was oh, yeah. talking about this concept going, wouldn't it be fun to run role-playing games in this? And I was like, no, it'd be fun to make comics about it because that's where my always. <laughs> but yeah, I got I got Both so of those. much coming out, and um, my main goal for 2018 is to sign at least 10 new creators. Bump Iron Circus's output for 2019 up to I'd love to get to 15 to 20 books a year. Um, I'd love to hire someone to do co-editing for me on a sort of contract basis because mm-hmm. we are definitely at the point where I cannot handle everything. Iron Circus has been a one-person business for a long time. So it's it's huge. It's bigger than me. And I kind of, this is the year I learned to delegate. Oh. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, at some point, especially yeah. as big as you're getting. Yeah. yeah. It's a good problem to have. I mean, yeah, I've definitely yes. been in that place where no one cares about anything I'm doing. And I definitely prefer this where <laughs> I'm stretched so thin. I'm like, I need help. Yeah. It's been a great year for me. Trash year for everything else. Great year for me. <laughs> well, can I make a quick so suggestion then? Oh, sure. Oh, uh, Iron Circus 2019, Sleep of Reason featuring Junji Ito. Oh, God, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I would, like, just wet my pants if you did I'm, that. I'd fall over and die if he even answered my email. <laughs> oh, did you send it? I've never sent it, but I'll tell you who I did send an email to if you promise oh, not God. to laugh in my face. Oh please! Well, we please. can't do it on 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 here, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, we we essentially can't promise anything, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> we might I have, I have been a massive drooling super fan of Janelle Monet ever since <gasps> the oh, Many Moons. Oh, yeah, and oh, I love her. the Many Moons video. I love that song. I love everything about what she was doing back when it was like God. This has been like ten years ago. I just I love it. I love it, and. I've always thought there's a lot of potential in sort of a graphic novelization of that yeah, concept. God, the yes. I mean, and I, I mean, the album, like, alone, The Electric Lady, that's, like, yeah. a perfect comic yeah. book. It, yeah, it, and I, I remember just thinking to myself, like, God, this would be perfect. And so I sent her the most professional email I could. Or rather, I sent it to Wonderland. And um, I, I have not heard back, single tear. But the thing is, I haven't gotten a no. So it's like, I'm Jim Carrey's character in Dumb and Dumber, where it's like, <laughs> no one said no. So you're saying I got a chance. Yeah. So I'm going to give it maybe two or three follow-up emails before I actually call it quits. But it's one of those deals where it's like, he who hesitates is lost. If you never ask, you never get, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, 
I'm putting that out there and I'm like emphasizing like Miss Monet does not have to be involved in this. I know <laughs> that comics are not fucking cool and she's got this entire life that's way, way bigger now. God, that would be so cool though. Yeah, I would die. Like just, I would, just say a graphic novel inspired by her. Maybe she decides to do an album, name yeah. drops you in it. Oh God, no, that would never happen because I'd die. <laughs> they, they just find me lying on the floor. Like, oh, Janelle Monet made eye contact and it was fucking over. <laughs> she was alive and she senpai, she yeah, senpai noticed you. I know, right? I oh my God. So seriously, it's like, do you ever get a sense, like, you ever see somebody on TV or listen to a musician or something? And even though you're an adult, you get that sense. If I were 12 and I'd seen that for the first time at 12, I would be one of those people that could not talk about it without crying. I would have the posters on the wall. I'd be wearing the T-shirts. I'd be standing super hard. I'd be getting actually viscerally enraged at people who didn't like them. You know, like would you be that person that would get confused? Like if she was coming up to hug you, be like, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. No, 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 what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? Touch me, touch me. The best way I could compare it is like that shot everyone talks about with the Beatles landing at JFK and like there are these people in the front row and when the Beatles look at them like one girl just straight up just passes cool. out. Just oh out. God. <laughs> if I were 12 and I had seen Jeanette, Janelle Monet at that time in my life it would be sad. It would be disgusting and pitiful. <laughs> Unfortunately since I'm grown I'm just like I love her so much. <laughs> and hold it in. Be like doing the wave. Like, <laughs> that is like the one real sort of pie in the sky Hail Mary thing I did in, in 2017. There are other things I'm doing right now that I really, really don't want to talk about in the same vein because I don't want to jinx it or something. But it's like I listen to more people than Janelle Monet, and some people do answer my email. So hopefully. <laughs> Oh, I'll be able to. Ooh. I'll be able to say something super fun in like a month or so. That'd be great. Oh, so there's, so there's no regrets. There's no regrets of not becoming that uh, P, what is it? PA, uh, the neurosurgeon. Pediatric neurosurgeon. That's yeah. what I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be a pediatric <laughs> neurosurgeon, and my husband—not my husband. My goodness, my brother was supposed to be a lawyer. So in Potomac, Maryland, that is the perfect ratio: having a daughter and a son, and one's a doctor and one's a lawyer, and that is like the perfect aspirational bullshit ratio for Potomac. <laughs> <laughs> but your run is going good, girl. I'm doing okay. I'm pretty. I honestly, I, every once in a while, I have to like sit back and I have to just sit there and go. How many people can say, you know, when they were six, if somebody was like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say something. And then, like, 30 years later, that's exactly what you are. Not many people get to do that. No. So I'm, like, no. really fortunate in that aspect. I want to make comics, and that's what I'm doing. Exactly. It's yep. been a great run. And honestly, I, like, I don't know who's listening. I hope some folks who are listening are sort of aspiring creative types of their own who are maybe in their 20s and are like, ah, oh, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah, your 20s are going to suck literally no matter what's going on in your life. This is like the great secret that is kept from people who are like super young and just new in the world. Chances are your 20s are when you're going to be like your most poorest. Your your most poorest, good grammar. Your poorest. Your <laughs> least. Like people are not going to take you seriously. People are not going to hire you because you don't have experience. You're not going to get invited to places. You're not going to be asked to be part of anything. You're still a kid. You're basically a child and you don't know anything. Like you think you know anything. You, you, you don't. You're wrong. 
But, like, that's how your 20s are supposed to be. It's not you. When you go and you submit your manuscript to a publisher or, or your teleplay to a studio or whatever, and it comes back with a form letter, and you're all like, wow, maybe I suck at this. No, it's not you. It's that you're 23. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so, everyone who's 23. Give it, this sounds horrible to people who are 23, but, like, give it 10 years. Keep at it for 10 not years. Good. See what happens. See Don't give up. Yeah. In your twenties yeah, is when you start making your five years right. plan. Can we talk yeah. about your uh I I know another list just came out. Can we talk about your disgust for those fairty under fairties? Oh god, I just Okay, here's the thing. If I were in charge of thirty under thirty lists, you would be required to list like basically people's pedigrees like dogs underneath because <laughs> you have you have this 30 under 30 list and you have all these smug people with their arms crossed on like the roof decks of their buildings in downtown San Francisco or whatever and it's all like here's you know uh, Mary Smith and Mary Smith is is the CEO of billion dollar unicorn startup you know fart.com and it, it's the most <laughs> that's one of those deals where underneath there should be, by the way, Mary Smith's parents are both venture capitalists. And, you know, she, she grew up knowing 38% of the people that ended up lending her a million dollars to start this company. Oh, Thank geez. you. Thank you. Because yeah, no one ever that mentions that part. No, yeah. no, you no never get the background of it. No one mentions millionaire parents. No one mentions legacy admissions to Harvard. No one mentions, you know, my uncle is the guy who was a founding member of Microsoft and cashed out and gave all of his nieces and nephews $500,000. No one mentions that. And I'm not even saying that, like, therefore that invalidates everything you've done. But what I'm saying is the structure of those lists and how they're presented reinforces this sort of fantasy America has that the only legitimate accomplishment is the accomplishment that the individual makes all by themselves with zero help from anybody, which one doesn't exist, and two, vanishingly few people on any 30 under 30 list qualify for. But it's presented oh, God, barefaced, yeah. barefaced as this, you know, fantastical prodigy who owns a million dollar company and is 24. And it's all like bullshit. Yeah, totally and it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing because, I mean, you can yeah. take it back. It's like, yes, I'm bouncing off of my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but we're not talking about them. <laughs> yeah, this shit is generational. It's like, and again, it's like it's not even super bitterness or anything. It's just like not a realistic depiction no. of what you should expect to have accomplished by the time you're 25. Nope. And it's bad. Exactly. Yeah. It's oh God, yeah. bad. No, no. It makes you really think you're terrible. a failure if you haven't accomplished, like you know, gotten that million dollars by the time you're 29. Yeah, you and right? especially like, even when you get older, it's just like, yo, what have I been doing with my life? You've actually been doing what you should a, be doing with your life. Have a quarter life crisis. So <laughs> yeah, don't don't die now, now. That's yeah, your life isn't over because you turned 30. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I, ha I feel this need to tweet stuff like, hey, just so you know, Vera Wang didn't start House of Vera Wang until she was in her 40s. Yep. Just so you know. Wow. That's, yeah. that's something that should be put out there. Let people yeah. know. Like a lot yeah, of these people that helps. did get yeah. their money, that got their money, that worked for their money, did not get it <laughs> yeah. starting at their 20s. <laughs> you know, or their 30s. Some of them. I got rich in their 60s. Like, yeah. that needs to be told. Those stories need yeah. to be told. Yeah. And it's like, A River Runs Through at that novel. It wasn't published until that dude was in his 70s. Watership Down wasn't published until that dude was in his 50s. George R.R. Sure. R. Martin yes. has been a writer his basically his entire adult life. 
But Game of Thrones didn't hit until he was like in his late forties, early fifties. Yep. It's yeah. like you're not on a you're not an Olympic gymnast. You don't have to figure it out by the time you're eighteen or you wash out. You have all the time in the world to get yeah, really. it right. And I always like, make this I always make this stupid comparison because like you always come up like you know talk about that age thing. One of my favorite wrestlers in the world, Diamond Dallas Page, he didn't start wrestling in the ring until he was 35, and he became yeah. like a world champion at 40-something, exactly. and he was a legend. Yeah, yeah, it's, didn't and it's like the there's world. no time limit on these things. Absolutely, and it's so super important for people to realize that, because I do believe, I don't, you know what, I don't believe, I know, there are people out there who read these lists, and they're all like, what am I doing wrong? Nothing! Yes. What yeah. are you doing wrong? You just didn't have a silver spoon. Yeah, you didn't have like you know mouth. all the advantages in the world that allowed yeah. you to get that first uh, like you know several Which million so or billion. Uh, honestly, I hate all these magazines out there. You got the magazines that have you believing that oh I should be rich at this point. Oh I should be beautiful looking like this. Oh I should be rapping like this. Oh I should be a rock star like this. And it's like no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> did, did you feel, did you folks see that thing that was going around recently that there are people out there who are, there are like private, obviously there are private jets in the world, but 99% of the time, those private jets are just sitting in hangars somewhere. Yeah. There are people Whoa. who are paying about $250 to go to those hangars and be photographed in those private jets for their oh. Instagram. Oh, God. Wow. They, yeah. which, they take private jets everywhere. Which is so terrible, because basically what they're doing is they know they're not using the jets that much. Yeah. And it's like, let's see, how can we get money when the jets are on the ground? Exactly. <laughs> so we have people, think, and it's like, it's like, come on. Come. Yeah, the internet is so not real. And here's another, it's like, to, to a lesser degree, something like the whole 30 under 30 existing comics, but primarily what I'm talking about is this sort of, this myth of, like, the creative that just sort of graduated um, art school or whatever, or, or turned 18 or whatever, and they sent out their portfolio, immediately began working, and next thing you know, they're supporting themselves entirely on comics and nothing else by the time they're 27, and if you're not, you're a failure. And I'm be being treated to tweets from people who are like 25 and talking about, I haven't published my first graphic novel yet, I'm trash. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> wow. No, you're not. No, yeah. you're not. You're not. You're not. And seriously, so many... Oh, sorry. oh, I just want to say it's like it's so important to realize that a lot of people you know in comics who are successful cartoonists too are living dual income lives. Either they have a day job or they have a spouse supporting them when they are early on and making nothing. And that goes for a lot of cartoonists of all genders and all situations. Mm -hmm. Jeff Smith's wife, the creator of Bone, while he was getting Bone to the launch pad, she was working a Silicon Valley job, which is why he got to work on Bone for years before wow. it, it, it caught and it, it hit. Like, this is not some miracle where someone instantly recognizes this comic is brilliant and amazing. It's like, this is four years of rock breaking to get it to the launch pad. And yep. people always forget what it takes for those, like, that, it's, that is an amazing luxury, those, those several years where there is no financial onus on a creative so they can actually put stuff out and work on getting it attention. And I, that is such a privilege. A lot of people do not have it. And a lot of people who do have it do not admit to it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you were saying. 
Yeah, no, I just wonder if you wanted to, to talk a little bit about your own path, because, I mean, you were at Art Institute Chicago, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Oh, boy, art school. Considering okay, two of us are from, from Pratt. We graduated from Pratt. Oh. Let's, let's put that in perspective. Yeah. Okay, so um, I went to uh, Spelman undergrad, and Spelman at the time, I don't know if this is still the case, but Spelman offered a BA, but no BFA in art. Mm. So I got a BA in art, and I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about the TV show Atlanta, but I really didn't like Atlanta in the 90s. I, like, really (laughs) dislike it. I wanted out of there so bad. So while I had no actual interest in getting a master's, I knew that I could get out of Atlanta with as little pushback as possible if I was accepted to a master's program in any other city. So I applied to pretty much anything. I applied to um, NYU. I applied to CalArts. I applied to School of the Art Institute. I applied to pretty much any master's program I could hear of that was in a place I figured I could deal with living in. And I got accepted by the School of the Art Institute. And I got accepted to a thing called a post-baccalaureate program, which is basically (laughs) darling. That's the BA. No, no, no. If you want to enter the master's program, sweetheart, you need to you need to have a year in the post baccalaureate program. <laughs> that voice is really helpful. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. Uh, and I was That's like, some high class. <laughs> Whatever, sure, let's do this. Fine, you know. And I moved to Chicago, and it turned out to be obviously a, a really good choice, which I enjoy and do not regret the slightest. But the School of the Art Institute was the singularly most unpleasant. Um, educational experience that I've had. And I am counting like high school, like everyone hates high school. No, I School of Art Institute was way worse than high school. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's changed significantly since my time there. Cause remember this was, this was 2000, yeah. 2001. So this was a while ago. But um, when I was there, there was open hostility to comics and sequential tori- storytelling and figurative art and representational art. Uh-huh. And there was, active sort of by my my faculty advisor air quotes uh there was sort of this active mission to turn me into an abstractionist when i explicitly Uh did not want to be that so uh no invite uh, back for a lecture then (laughs) yeah that's never happening and they wouldn't want me there i what year year was that 2001 2001 2001? yeah because i know we we got out of no i because i i was in the, the education system for a while afterwards. And yeah, I saw the changes going in, but I didn't know it was that deep. Where yeah, no, I mean, when we, when, when we were going, Toby, remember when, you know, the illustration program, comics was a dirty word for much yep. of the faculty. Dude, you couldn't even talk about Disney, speak about comics. Like well, well, anything Disney, yeah. Disney was Nazi. Is a, basically, yeah. Disney was a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> you did not bring up comics in some circles, because like, that was... Yeah. yeah. Not, yeah. They were that's, why, that's why I went CG, and then, the, then that got killed off. So. Yeah. Honestly, uh, it's like, it's one of those things nowadays where comics has become... I mean, if I can be completely frank, uh, it's become big business for colleges. There are a lot of kids now who are growing up reading like Raina Tegelmeyer stuff and they're growing up reading tons and tons and tons of manga. And as a result, 
for the first time in a very long time, there are a lot of people who are like 17, 18, specifically looking to make comics in their adult lives. And if yeah. art schools want their money, they will have sequential art departments. Oh, yeah. 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 Pratt, Pratt, Pratt's already yeah. on where we came from. They yeah. already switched over. I'm still working there. But I'm a computer guy. I yeah. don't work on the no. desk side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, well, I've heard it's but, very different at School of the Art Institute. But when yeah. I was there, open yeah. hospitality. It is. It's totally different. They, they are trying. Like you just said, they, they want the money. So yeah, yeah they, they're definitely bringing these kids in, and and that's what they do. They yeah. they they sucking in the kids. It is, I was just mentally oh. completely checked out, like halfway through. They chased me out. They chased out this woman who um she was from one of those countries that doesn't exist anymore. Like not well, it, it, like it used Understood. to be Yugoslavia or something. <laughs> you don't gotta she, explain it. We got you. Yeah, she was from one of those countries that don't exist anymore, and she'd be tra- she's been she had been trained in sort of the um the classic European figurative method and her work was absolutely beautiful. Like she was the first to leave. She was like, no, this is bullshit. Bye. And then there was a <laughs> dude who was there on scholarship who did like beautiful graffiti murals, but mm. it was representational and it had a preponderance of craft. You know, if you can just like imagine those words floating across the room, like, Oh, come on. Uh. Like, <laughs> like he tried too hard. That was the complaint. And he was wow. like, this is, yeah, yeah. Like, this is bullshit. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. Bye. And then I just like, I was, oh my God, I was too much of a wimp to actually just say, fuck this and leave. And I regret that because now I can't actually call myself a art school dropout. I technically persisted to the end, but it's like, I was so checked out for like 50% of that. I didn't participate in the final show, which is like, wow, why would you do that? It's like, because I, because fuck these people, that's why. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. Went through the same crap. Yeah. Like, we had, oh, my God, just not to take over, just this one kid, I have to tell this story. It was the worst thing ever that I experienced in a class. This one kid, his whole dream was to go to Disney. Uh-huh. And and he wasn't he wasn't the worst drawer in our class. He he, he was really good. And we we just had a, the assignment was a, a six feet by six feet drawing. No, six feet by whatever else you wanted it to be drawing that expressed you and what you want to do and what you want oh, to do. Oh, Lord, I had this teacher. You, <laughs> so, I remember this uh, the kid brings in his project, right? And he puts it up, and it's it's like a living room. Like, it's almost a panoramic shot, but he drew it out of his living room, and it's like his TV, everything, but everything had, like, a Disney character on it. Wow. And I kid you not, the, the professor is, he's looking at it and he's like, huh. Hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. He's like, yeah. you know what? This is so boring. This is so boring. He's like, you know what would have made this more exciting? If you had your mother across that, that TV naked. Oh and I'm like, wait, this is freshman year. Yep. This is, this is me coming in freshman year. Now, now and, and I'm going to tell you right now, my drawing was at the time of me, my son, and his, his mother at the time. So I'm like, dude, you got one time to say the wrong thing. But <laughs> he did not at mine. But, 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 yo, to this day, I still, like, remember the look on that kid's face. And I'm like, yo. And this guy had kids walking out of his classroom crying. Yeah, and I'm like, this, this, this isn't, one, 
This isn't what art's about. No, <laughs> it's no. like you don't. You, I have really strong art school feelings these days, and they're kind of confused. Like, okay, it's like, here's the thing. Um, school is very rapidly becoming utterly unreasonable. Like, uh, yep. higher education, I mean, like, co- college level oh, education yeah. is becoming yeah, yeah. extremely unreasonable. The, the, there is just no ceiling on what schools are starting to cost. And I have friends who are being turned out into the creative world to find jobs with $80,000 in debt. Oh, God. Yeah, and it's like that's not even the most I've heard of. It's it's one of those deals where it's like you have to understand you are going to be existing at the bottom of the professional creative ladder for a while. If you persist, you will get to climb the rungs. But everyone, well, not everyone, 99% of us start out, boop, very bottom. And Mm -hmm. now, now because of this, you are going to not only be at the bottom, but in like a year or two or three or however it's worked out, suddenly you're going to have a $500 a month bill that like people who did not have those loans will have. And that like debt is, it's debt is such a blue ball. It, it stops you from taking like, Oh, here's a job where you could, you can pencil, you know, that comic you, you drew up dreaming of penciling, but it doesn't pay you enough to cover your, your, your debt repayment. So you can't take this job. You have to continue working your day job instead of working your dream job, which you could afford if you didn't have this. Mm. And so it actually has this paradoxical effect of stymieing people's ambitions, even though they pay to be better, better prepared to fulfill those ambitions. And as a result, Mm -hmm. these things, it's like, and there are good art schools. Absolutely. For sure. There are art schools out there that train people in very technical stuff that they can't just like go and learn from a YouTube tutorial. Like there's Cal arts, which basically it sucks in kids and it spits them out ready to work for Disney. Because oh, God, they, yeah. yep. it, like those are people who are now trained professionals with technical prowess who can be sort of slotted into a machine and do the job. Mm-hmm. And in Vancouver too. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, no problem with that. Like those people are literally doing a very specific thing, but this sort of like general art school kind of thing where it's people these days go and they graduate with tons of debt and it actually stops them from being artists. And while not all schools are bad and all schooling is bad, I'm not saying that. Like, I think people should very, very strongly consider maybe taking a job at like Starbucks or Lowe's or being your dad's secretary for two or three years. And going to one of these sort of like online kind of schools these days they have where basically people who work at Disney, work at DreamWorks, work at Pixar, they upload three hour long videos talking about this is how I handle color blocking. This is how I handle perspective. And you can subscribe to these sites for like $9.99 a month. Wow. I I totally agree with that, especially now. I, I came in seeing the internet actually start coming in to, to homes and everything. And I'm seeing where they're going. And I want to congratulate and applaud you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do. Because when, when I was coming in, my thing was, I was just like, where is this going to go? Like, I knew what I can use it for. And I had fun with it. But I was like, where is this going to go? And you seem to be one of those people that take it and know how to run with it. And, it, and at this time and day, it it should be the avenue because, I mean, we got kids walking around all day on their phones, on their, 
they're literally connected to the yeah. internet. And yeah. it's it's it, right now it is it is like the libraries that are dying. It, it, it is a big library that you can open up and yep. use daily, easy, yeah. pay Absolutely. for. And and at the same time, it would back in the day when we didn't have this and when we were just doing the art thing, sitting back and just, oh, finding times to ourselves to sketch out something or draw out something or to create something without that, that, that book. Not only can you do that now, but you have the book right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can even, like, you know, have the lesson online. It's like, hey, y'all, I'm going to stream how you do this online. Exactly. Come watch. That's one of the things I love about um, game making. Like, like, I've been sort of, like, looking at game making stuff for a while, and I'm very aspirational on multiple levels. But one of the things I love about sort of the game making scene is, it is basically full of people stampeding, falling over each other to help you make a game. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. have all these free tools, free lessons. If you go on YouTube right now, you will find multiple walkthroughs of various things like Unity and Game Maker and all these other programs. Like, okay, this is how you make a platformer. This is how you make an RPG. This is how you make like a dumb little phone game, blah, blah, blah. And that's stuff where... It used to be you had to go to a specialist school and you had to pay tens of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars a year that it's entirely possible you do not have and won't have for the foreseeable future. And instead, you can actually, if you are willing to sit down and treat it like actual school and give it like an hour a night, inside two years, you could have something on the App Store. You know, and that's yep. that's amazing to me, and I love that. And comics also has that to a degree where there are a lot of people who upload things like speed paints that are recorded, like, this is how I draw this. And there are things online about this is how you block a panel and this is how you self-publish. And, you know, for myself speaking, I've put out two things. I ha- Let's kickstart a comic and not screw it up. And let's um, print a comic and not screw it up, which is a guide to pre-press. And those yeah, are little five, $5 hmm. minis that are filled with tons of information that a lot of people are like, oh, crap. You know, I wish I'd known this before <laughs> I, I did my Kickstarter. I printed my book. And that's, a lot of that is inspired by it's like it's ridiculous that people are expected to go to really expensive schools that will actively stymie their creative ambitions. I'm like, here, just give me five dollars for my time, and now you can put together a book literally as good as any publisher. Yes, it, it, it scares hmm? me. It scares me. I think it's that one idea that it, it you know, they believe that they're going to get that golden nugget. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's what they sell you when you, you know, yeah. in school. They sell that to you, and unfortunately, they don't tell you everything else that comes that you need to do. And the fact that hey, uh, training constantly changes, and oh, by the way, we can't help. Oh you no, it. you don't get yeah. the life. You don't get the life study. And one thing that I did learn from going going to Pratt, I, was, I shouldn't <laughs> be saying the name. I should be saying the name out because I still no. Work you should not. Be <laughs> <laughs> but but I work on a different level, so they better not. I'll take all the computers now. But um, um <laughs> but no no. One thing I did learn going through college is um, yeah, I should buy a book and teach myself. Yeah, like absolutely. at the end of the day, that's how it felt. Like even when it was time to talk to a professor and ask him something, I get a little word of wisdom. Then I go home and still I felt like I had to study. Yeah. For myself, I had to learn, pick up yeah. for myself, and then I come in, and you know, 
when your professors are amazed, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's when you should start asking questions, people. <laughs> I think it's important to note too that technology is moving so fast these days that a lot of schools aren't prepared to handle certain questions from uh, that are like, yeah, yeah. one of the things that I get consulted about, like literally regularly, is there are schools out there who send me emails that are all like, can you Skype in and tell kids about Kickstarter? Because no one on staff has ever run one and doesn't really understand it. And it's uh, like, that's <laughs> the thing, because it's become an integral part of comics. It's become an actual, it's like, it's like a milestone in every cartoonist's career these days to have a Kickstarter. Yeah. That's how yeah, vital it, it is. Yeah, it really is. And this, this and, is oh, yeah, there are limited people who have like the wherewithal to teach a semester-long class about something like this, or even a couple of lessons about it. And, and, yeah, whenever, and the problem, oh no, keep going, keep going. Uh, the, the problem with that is is what these colleges do, which is terrible. Being on the inside is. They do have people that can teach that, but to keep their keep monies low, costs low, instead of hiring somebody out there or going to look for somebody that can just be specific on that, mm-hmm. they go to people that they already have there. And, and, and I've been through this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, um, well, can you learn this? Do you know anything about this? <laughs> oh, can God. You, can you yeah, teach no, this I've to dealt them? With that. And then it's like, all right, yeah, I can do it not a problem and they walk away and you're sitting there like but are you going to pay me any more money no okay um that's the thing yeah that's the thing i've had to learn this year specifically um the only thing that sort of that tempers the requests i get these days is i like my whole thing these days like i am not a consultant like i have a lot of i'm I've grown Iron Circus very publicly and mm-hmm. like oversharing is basically my brand. Like I tell everything, everybody, everything that's going on with ICC. I tell people, Oh, I'm going to go get distro at the book expo. Oh, I got distro at the book expo. Oh, here are, here's what I did at the, at the conference where I talked to my sales reps and I presented the spring summer books for 2018. And it's like, I basically just walk people through my life and a lot of people get a lot out of that. But what it means is I get a lot of emails that are barely basically like I get one sentence emails. How do you start a publishing company? <laughs> like, I have, wow. I have no I think, time to answer this. I run a publishing company. And, and I think really that's, that's the appeal of you and <laughs> Iron Circus is the fact that you are so very open and you're, yeah. you're an open yeah. book. It, oh, people trust you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about the publishing industry I would have never known if not for your tweets, honestly. And I, and, and I won't even say trust. They just look and say, what? <laughs> it's more like a, what? She did this? Yo, how do you do that? That's one thing. Yeah. yeah. Right I mean, you have like a level of like, you know, openness and honesty that most of these people, it's like, hey, trade secret, can't tell you anything. Yeah. And I get a lot too, like I've had to disappoint a lot of people because um, I get tweets and I get emails that are like, hey, I'm an independent cartoonist. I would like to get distro how did you do it? And it's like, they will not work with independent people. This is, this is like, I'm not super clear on this on Twitter. So I can imagine people get confused, but distro in sort of the prose world that is now venturing into comics. They work with publishers because people who are individuals, like not worth their time is a strong way to put it, but they don't have time to take 10 individual people and onboard them and put them in the system and tell them this is how the sales reps work. This is how the white box works. This is how uh, ad buys work, blah, blah, blah. 
they want one person publishing 10 books a year, not 10 people publishing one book a year. Right. That would be craziness. And yeah. that's why, you know, publishers exist. I'm not saying you can't exist as an independent entity as a creator. That's awesome. And you should do it if that's what you genuinely want. It's totally possible these days. But if you want that experience where you go to Germany yeah, and you, you see will. your book in a bookstore, you need a publisher, unless you're German or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm always going to be about people who want to create independent. Like one of the nice things about comics is how cheap comics are. It's not film. It's not television. Um, you can sit down and just make a comic by yourself. All it's all you. It's nothing but you. And you can put that online, and people could be commenting on it in five minutes. And that's a huge appeal to me of comics. But that is also not the ceiling. And for a long time, it was. So a lot of people don't realize how much bigger it can get for folks who are not drawing cake books. And comics is growing exponentially these days, and the interest is higher than it's been in decades. Since before I was born, interest is higher. And it's, it's a really exciting place to be, but it's also kind of getting hazed into, you know, again, air quotes, real distro and real publishing. And as a result, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of tough lessons going on. I hope the one thing that doesn't transfer over from prose publishing, though, is the disreputableness of self-publishing because comics has a long history of self-publishing. And mm-hmm. there is there, no, one, no one blinks when you are selling a self-published comic because for decades that was basically the only option for any comic that wasn't a cape book. Oh, God, yeah. But in prose publishing, like self-publishing is like, really, really, really? And I hope that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't populate comics. It's is is self is self publishing still stigmatized because it seemed like within the past years, especially with ebooks and everything else, yeah. like there's been a new wave of self published prose. I mean, yeah, yeah people is. even like uh, Chuck Tingle getting credibility. Yeah, it's, but the thing about self publishing is still like sort of to this day, it's like prose does have a bias against self published material, and it's not entirely rational, but Part of it is based in practicality because when a book is published by a publisher as opposed to by a creator, you can be reasonably certain it's gone through some kind of vetting process because publishers are for-profit entities, most of them anyway, and they don't publish anything that they don't think they can't sell. They don't think they can sell rather. So someone at some point has looked at the book and gone, yeah, someone would buy that. And they've shepherded a creator through the creative process. Mm. And the thing that comes out the other side has gone through at least one more set of hands that is prioritizing its appeal. And mm. a self-publisher is just like, I made this! So basically, a self- when, I, when I look at it, I feel like it's, it's one of those... Oh well, this is proper English, and yeah. this isn't. <laughs> so, it's yeah. self-checked, you know, and it hangs yeah. together, and it has it's had a beta reader, and it it has someone going, um, you have these loose ends in the plot here, and you know, it's like it's gone through at least the most basic vetting, and right. self-publishing has not, and self-publishing has typos, and self-publishing doesn't hang together, and self-publishing can have tons and tons of problems that a lot of people just plain don't want to deal with, which is why it has that bad reputation in the prose world. So I, I had, a, I have a question. Yeah. The major, the major focus of the, uh, of Iron Circus is erotic comics. 
Not Why? the major, but a <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay. I, I'm being somewhat I'm being so, somewhat sincere with the question because yeah. it's not exactly a convention. It's not exactly conventional to hear about a woman creator making what you called quote porn for checks. Yeah, I mean you're you're tapping into a, like you know a market segment that's kind of usually well I mean there wasn't really a market segment for that until you created it really. Uh, no, there was a market segment for it. It just was not professional. Here's the thing. I make it because I've had the experience a lot of women who like dirty pictures have where they're reading porn and they get a super unpleasant surprise. And oh. it's like, oh, wow, that was really non-consensual. Oh, wow, he spat directly in her face. Oh, wow, he just hit her. <laughs> uh, most of the porn that's being made for public consumption is being made for by male. people who are prioritizing male pleasure and male mm-hmm. desires. And right. if a woman gets to get off in it, it's literally for the enjoyment of the man involved or just incidental to what the real focus is. And that goes for pretty much, again, 99% of porn. And there are people like me who like drawn dirty pictures. And the majority (laughs) of drawn dirty pictures are being produced right now in Japan. Not because Uh Japan is somehow magically more perverted than the U.S., but because the comics culture there is much bigger. And it's Mm -hmm. just a thing a lot of people do. And the erotica that is produced in Japan can be extremely troubling. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've been there, done that. I think we've all had that phase. It's it's just there was a lot of women out there who would read erotic comics and they'd just be like, God, I wish I could read an erotic comic that didn't feature a rape, that didn't feature misogyny, that didn't prioritize male pleasure that wasn't really deeply uncomfortable because I know I like sexy pictures and I, I know what I consider sexy and it's literally not being made and it's not being sold. And smut peddler was the easiest thing in the world to recruit for because all I did was go around and I asked a bunch of cartoonists I knew, Hey, you want to draw a dirty comic? And they were like, absolutely. Oh, because <laughs> frankly, a lot of them were drawing dirty stuff anyway. It's just, there was no platform for it because it was disreputable. Smut Peddler is the easiest sell on planet Earth, and not because I necessarily want to be the only purveyor of North American-made smut comics, but until recently, no one else was doing it, and that sucks. And while I have said in the past, Smut Peddler is for chicks, these days I'm more prone to say Smut Peddler is pornography by women for everyone, because a lot of men have told me they, they love about peddler stuff too and that's great to hear and i've sort of expanded beyond the anthologies to smut peddler presents which is a line of erotic comics by independent creators so creator owned erotica and i've published uh, letters to lucardo which is by nora hekila who is finnish and it's about a vampire that falls in love with a 61 year old human man in sort of this fake restoration fantasy time period back when 61 was kind of the ceiling. So instead of the vampire, like I I love the twist where instead of the vampire, like being super into some 16 year old girl, for some reason you're 400 years old, yet you find a 16 year old interesting enough to date. Okay. Whatever. Um, He is in love with sort of this person who's had a ton of life experience and is, you know, witty and friendly and just like has a lot going for him, but he is not immortal. So that's kind of the problem. Um, my favorite thing about Nora's book, by the way, what book two is in progress right now. One of my favorite things about it is when it was turned into me, um, 
Lucardo, the vampire, did not look how he presently looks. It's just that at some point Nora saw Hamilton and mm-hmm. she really likes the actor who plays Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things I like to say at conventions is here's a comic about the adventures of gay vampire Debbie Diggs. And people really like it. And I like it too, obviously. I'm publishing it. But yeah, um, one of the other erotic titles we published last year that became an Amazon bestseller. So if you look at my Twitter and you see my description. Yeah, Amazon bestseller is um, Yes, Roya, which is about a 1960s poly threesome in California. So it kind of has Mad Men aesthetics. And it's about cartoonists because I'm trash. And it is very, very sort of faintly inspired by the story of the creators of Wonder Woman, which is sort of hinted at at the end of the book. So, mm. yeah. And uh, I'm, yeah, I, those have done really well for me. Like I said, Amazon bestseller for Yes Roy. And my distro loves it. I've sold over a thousand copies of it through my distro, and it's not a brand new book. Okay. Yes, yes Roya. Yes Roya. That's the it's one with a, the guy, the girl. Two guys. In the back. Yeah, two, two guys, guys and one guy in the front. <laughs> two guys and a gal. That's what. I, yeah, that's yeah. It, it's the guy in the front, the the older dude in the back, and the girl on the other side. I was looking at that book. I was debating. <laughs> yes, I've been doing my homework. Yeah. I was thinking about it, picking that up. Yeah, the the input I've gotten from it has been fantastic. People really like it, and I'm currently trying to turn out a script for a second book with the same artist. So, hopefully, I can get off my ass, finish that script, and send it off to them, because the premise for that one, everyone always looks at me funny when I tell them the premise for it. It's The working title is Joint Venture. It's about um, a little sort of tech bro scumbag who moves to San Francisco to try and make his first million, and uh, the person who ends up being his secretary. And I'm super excited to do that, because a lot of people are assuming it's going to be one of those, uh, God, I don't even know, like, there is a movie called The Secretary, which is yeah. not yeah. not great. But it has sort of that theme to it. And it's like, no, this is the exact opposite of like, it's me writing it. Hello. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're all looking at you kind of crazy right now because yeah. you can't see us, but we're doing that. <laughs> and we're waiting for it. We're waiting now, for it. Now, has, uh, <laughs> has anybody like, you know, Hollywood or anyone come calling saying, hey, it's like we like lady porn. Can we get into this business with you, perhaps? <laughs> I'd be open to it. No one said anything. I've gotten solicitations to do licensed stuff but I, I don't know how I feel about it like I've been talking to my friends and it's in it's well within sort of the purview of Iron Circus to do licensed stuff it's just no licenses until recently have come along that I'm like oh yes I'm feeling that absolutely mm-hmm. so it's it would be within the bounds of our philosophy I still have I need to have a Skype meeting about it basically and figure out if, if it's something I want to do but if it is it would it would be pretty fun let Flash know. fiction. Let oh, yeah. Know. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not smut, but it is like, it's not, it would not be creator owned, I guess is what I'd say. Right. Ugly. Kind of smut lovely. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, What's that? I, Warner Brothers wants to do some bro slash for Supernatural? Honestly, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I, I've. You know, I'm not going to bullshit. I I do have those sort of every once in a while I indulge myself in that fantasy of <laughs> one day I publish something and then it turns into Scott Pilgrim or something. You know, it's like oh I, Scott Pilgrim, oh, like love if that I publish, movie. 
because when, <laughs> when something movie. like that happens to a small company, like a small publisher, it's like loading the tank with rocket fuel. And the next thing you know, a year down oh. the line, they've got 10, 10 more employees. They've got 10,000 feet of space somewhere. And they're just like, that is enough. It, it gives them 10 years of growth in a year. And it's like, I would love to experience something like that. But again, it's one of those deals where you don't count on being the exception. You don't count on rolling the natural 20. You have to basically just put your nose to the grindstone and not go, where's my breakaway, you know, my runaway hit. You have to go, I'm going to put out good books and have right. that. Yeah. And that's you're running. Thing. You're running. You're, yeah. Not, yeah. you're not one of those people now that's just, yo, no. this is my one hit wonder. No, you, you no, got yeah. no, you have you. You've had a whole collection of albums. You're basically the Beck of uh, comics. So. <laughs> it's like each one is new, each one is different. You don't do repeats. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. One of the things that I think about constantly, and I've been thinking this since 2014, is Iron Circus is now too big to quietly fail. So if it dies, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> and it's like that's the thing that motivates me. It's no longer just me putting out my book, and you know, two years can go by, and I could not put out a book because who cares? It's just me. It's online anyway. Blah blah blah. Iron Circus now has a distro going. What's this season's book? It has creators going. Where's my check? It has an office. It has an office building going. Where's my rent? You know, yeah. it has all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It has obligations. And as a result, there is sort of this constant pressure on it that I, I low-key do enjoy a little bit. Uh, there's a constant pressure on it to, like, you know, sustain and grow and get bigger and, you know, get more people on board and just become a bigger, bigger, bigger thing. And that's kind of the path I've been going down. But, you know, not going to lie, if Hollywood was all like, hey, we'd love to make a movie out of that, I'd be like, fuck yes, you know. <laughs> that would that be ship has come in. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, it would be that. like, and it's not the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> but the thing is, I think Alan Moore said it, like the best way to deal with Hollywood is imagine Hollywood is on the other side of a vast, deep canyon, and you are on one side and Hollywood is on the other side. What you do is you walk to the edge of the canyon and you take your book and you just overhand fling it across the canyon to Hollywood. And you wait catch. at the edge of the canyon. Maybe one day... Hollywood will fling something back, a check. You pick up the check, you turn around, and you walk away. You forget that book ever exists. Yes. Don't worry about that. Oh, Lord. Don't invest yourself in making sure they get it right, and don't invest yourself in it has to turn out like my vision, blah, blah, blah. Take the check, turn yeah, around, walk away. So, uh, so like, you know, when Yes, Roy of the movie comes out and Adam Sandler is starring in it, exactly. you would have a problem. No, <laughs> you'd be like, no. ha I saw the Yes, Roy film. It got was terrible. Check. And I went, I'm... yeah, who cares? I'm rich. What's up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gotcha. like, that, 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 that fuck you money comes Over into play suddenly. Exactly. <laughs> Look exactly. at me over here. But I have to say, um, while we do not have fuck you money over at Iron Circus, despite what people seem to think sometimes, um, we do have exciting stuff going on in the pipes and primarily this is why uh like i've mentioned my husband has a job and he works doing graphic design and we have pretty much lived off of his salary exclusively for our entire marriage as a result when iron circus money came in it was never relegated as household money it went into a separate account and has just sat there accumulating over the years and the original 
sort of thing that Iron Circus money did. Hilariously off of sales from my book, Poor Crap, ha ha ha. It paid for the <laughs> down payment. <laughs> it, like, Poor Crap paid for the down payment on the place I live right now. And if Iron Circus continues along the trajectory it's currently on, in a year and a half, maybe two years on the outside, it can pay off the entire mortgage as a lump sum. Whoa. And still have operating expenses in wow. the bank. Dang, that's now, some financial planning. Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah, this is what people need to be taught. Yeah, this <laughs> is the part yeah, this is the important stuff that no one ever thinks about. Yeah, the day that happens, my husband's job becomes superfluous and it's no longer necessary to maintain the household. So there will be a day in the next two or three years, in all likelihood, I will be uploading a picture to Twitter. Yes, I have planned this out. Where I upload a picture to Twitter. It's my husband and me flipping off a computer screen that is the Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo account, and it just says principal balance zero. zero. And <laughs> the only thing it'll say in conjunction to, conjunction to that picture is, thanks, pornography. <laughs> and they use the word superfluously. Yeah. Well, I, I, I said that right. Super, super, yeah. super, super, yeah. No, I can't say it. God. But, okay. I got you. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things we're looking forward to because like it would be amazing if suddenly our household sort of expenses went down by about half because then Iron Circus could support us completely. Oh hell yeah! That's, so yeah, that's like what everybody right. looks for. That yeah, understand finally. And him working for me full time would be an absolute lifesaver. And I'm we, so sorry for you, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, great, great. Yeah, it'd be I'm super excited to, to sort of get that going because it's not one of those things where it's like one day. It's like year and a half. Mm-hmm. Oh man! I, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and cool. yeah, exactly. Fingers like Distro. The thing I got this year. This was the year where I was warned by the people at Distro. I was like, this is going to be your most incompetent year because you don't know the routine yet. And you're going to be overwhelmed and it's going to freak you out and just relax. Just ask questions and just keep it moving. And I did that. I had my, my Distro year and it has, gosh, when I was doing everything completely wrong, it still increased my yearly revenue by 20%, which is wow. a huge deal. I, I sold lots of books through my distro <laughs> and i can't wait for next year where i have prep and it's not mostly back catalog and it's new books and it's books that i've sent to the sales reps and i've sent to the uh the bookstores and the, the store buyers and i have mm-hmm. pdfs up on idolize and i have pdfs up on booklist and uh, there are review copies in places they need to be like booklist and junior library guild and um publishers weekly and all these other industry magazines that matter and librarians know about them a month before they come out and retailers know about them three months before they come out. And you know, wow. it's just like, I'm really looking forward to that period where now I know how it works. So now every book gets this sort of white glove treatment and well, seeing what happens when I actually know what I'm fucking doing as opposed to this year, which was like strictly kit chicken with its head cut off territory. I am not sorry to hear how <laughs> Bad everything, but no, <laughs> honestly, real talk. A person getting up for five o'clock in the morning, uh, getting an espresso to make sure that they can stay up 
It's and espresso. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and they're keeping it going though. I mean, 4 5 in the morning and no. This is this is one of those that works. It just goes to prove work pays off. So mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just I'm really excited for comics. I'm really excited excited for the publishing industry because like there are publish like there are so many people out there starting new publishers and I'm super excited to see that and they're being started by people that comics has been keeping at arm's length or actively pushing out for decades and now they have because of things like the internet and Kickstarter and you know drip maybe yes. they have access to people it's it's so great it's so exciting. and then they have a person I, like I, you pushing yo, definitely I did want like to uh, I did want to mention Drip. I mean, it's like yes. you've been like a crowdfunding success story. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. you probably write several books about yourself. But here comes Drip, and it's basically the solution to like, you know, instead of having a tip jar or anything else, you have a Drip service where you can yes. like, you know, donate to your favorite talents, creators, artists monthly uh-huh. in exchange Podcasters. for stuff. Month after uh-huh. month, like, you know, it's like a <laughs> subscription. It's like, you know, you have Netflix, suddenly you can yeah. subscribe to Iron Circus. Yeah, at- basically, the whole deal with Drip is, people are probably more familiar at this point with Patreon. Um, Drip is like Patreon, but with tweaks. And it's run by Kickstarter. And it is a, like you said, it's a creator subscription service. And I'm on there right now. It'd be super great if you folks could back me on Drip Hooray. Not Iron Circus specifically. I call it the Iron Circus Sideshow, which is oh, just right. a place for <laughs> my art and my comics and my miscellany. And for $5 a month, you get, you get access to pretty much everything I upload. But the thing that sets Drip apart specifically from, from Patreon and sort of encourages early backing or early support, as opposed to people like, I'll get around to it, is you have something called a founding period, mm-hmm. where for the first however many days you want to stay, you know, seven days, 15 days, 30 days, people who support you in those first however many days, they get special bonuses that you decide on. For me, for example, everyone who ends up being a foundation backer for my drip, they'll get a collected print risk PDF of everything I put on the drip for that year. And they get access to it as it uploads to where. So, you know, every post I post that is a page of a comic or a drawing I've drawn, after the foundation period, if I so decide, will be locked, and only the people who are my backers can see it. And any backer can see it, but only the foundation backers will get that free print risk PDF. So it's like that's my way of enticing people to back now as opposed to later. Right. And this is something I'm really excited to be part of specifically because while Patreon is great and it's been awesome things for a lot of people, including good friends of mine who like support themselves and pay the bills and buy the groceries with Patreon. Patreon is very openly biased in favor of people who produce video content. So YouTube creators seem to get prioritized in the queue when it comes to improvements to the site and tweaks to the site. Like it was only very recently that people were allowed to put multiple images in a single post. So if you were a cartoonist trying to upload multiple pages of a comic, you couldn't do that on Patreon until recently. And there's very low discoverability on Patreon, which pretty much means if you go to Patreon and you look at a category, if you look at the comics category, it'll show you something like the top 20 comic categories on Patreon, or the top 20 comic Patreons, like the top 20 individuals in that category. And that's all they'll show you. So it'll only show you the people who are already 
wildly successful, the people making the most money. And if you're interested in going, hmm, I wonder what else Patreon has to offer, that's not possible. Whereas, for example, if you go to Kickstarter and you're interested in, oh, I wonder what Kickstarters just launched today or what Kickstarters are ending soon or whatever, you can just browse an entire section and see every Kickstarter in that section. And that's discoverability, the ability to just window shop and look around and look at things that you don't already know about, whereas a lot of people being directed to Patreon are there because they already know who's on it and want to support that one person. But they can't, you know, while I'm here, just sort of look around the comics category and find someone who's making $5 a month and go, oh, you deserve more than that, and throw them an extra five. They can't do that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kickstarter does with Drip because I was a Kickstarter early adopter. I was. Mm-hmm. I you was are an OG. Of, uh, yeah, you I, were there I, at the start. You, yeah, you I, created them. I, <laughs> you're so kind. I launched my first Kickstarter the year it founded in 2009. And I have been obviously on the site for like eight years now. And they have been very proactive when it comes to implementing changes people request. I ran a Kickstarter so early, there was no comics category. When wow. I ran That's what I'm saying. And one day, one day I just logged on to Kickstarter and all my stuff had been shuffled into a comics category. And I'm like, oh, cool, neat. They listen, they care. And as a person who runs frequent Kickstarters, I'm up to 14 now. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I run one, so I run them pretty frequently. Every yes, time I run do. one. <laughs> yeah, you I do. All them successes. <laughs> exactly. Every time, every time I go to the dashboard, there's something new there. Like they have, they have referrer links right now. So if you're one of those micromanager types like me, you can say, I wonder what's bringing all the money to my Kickstarter. And you can make multiple referrer links and you can use one when you link your Kickstarter from Twitter. You can use one when you link your Kickstarter from Facebook. You can use one when you link your Kickstarter from Tumblr. And that way, when people back, you can see where most of your backers are coming from and you wow. know where to so if you have like one person who puts out a link, you could say, okay, so-and-so who's like, you know, big time was responsible for this many backers suddenly. Yeah. And if you put out press releases, you can give one court sort of link to Bleeding Cool and you can give one link to Publishers Weekly and you can give another link to uh, Entertainment Weekly and you can mm-hmm. see how successful your efforts in those directions are because you can see where people are coming from. And that's really cool. That's really, really wow. cool. I just, and I, I love that because the micromanaging part. It's, it's so cool. I gotta mention one thing, actually. Uh, Drip launched yesterday. It's uh, d.rip is the website. Yeah. Uh, Iron Spikes uh, Iron Circus Sideshow is actually the number one comics. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> comics on the site. Yeah, yeah. I'm at 93 founding members. I, my secret goal. I didn't say it out loud on Twitter or anything. But my secret goal is I wanted to get 100, 100 founding members, and I'm currently at 93. So I only need seven more, and that would be yes. super, super yeah. cool. Yeah. Is there like what five of us on the show? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's all back. There's oh, already man. some blog posts on man. there. But um, I'm going to upload the first comics page to Drip, hopefully in the next few hours, and it's a comics project I've been wanting to do for myself for maybe 10 years. So I'm super excited to oh, make it. Oh, nice. Very cool. Nice. Those long ones. Yeah, so if anybody's listening, it's just $5 a month. You get to see everything I put out, and after 365 days, I'll send you a PDF. So if you liked anything especially, you can print it out, print res, stick it up on the wall, you know, do whatever. Yeah, yeah, d.rip slash Iron Spike will be Spike, for, uh, yeah. for Spike's there, uh, Iron Circus Sideshow. And there are other uh, people on Drip you might have you might have heard of. Uh, Reggie Watts 
is currently got oh, a Oh, yeah. And folks who liked Mystery Science Theater 3000, a big part of the cast got together and they made something called Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks yep. is currently on Rift 2. So. Yep. And you're actually cool. kicking their butts soundly. <laughs> section and see all these great talents. <laughs> yeah, now before now before we go, uh-huh. we do have a little thing that we like to do with our guests. Okay. Uh which we may or may not which may or may not help you make friends and influence people. <laughs> yeah. so, I have no uh, friends. I'm fine. Let's do it. Uh, you I, have to I turn your camera on. Exactly. Oh, I present to you 120 seconds in heaven. What would you do if a drunken sailor? (laughs) (laughs) This is like the longest intro we've had for this. I mean, that sailor is drunk. (laughs) That was like 90 seconds right there. (laughs) (laughs) Game's over. Now, 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 for those who don't know what the what the premise is, you you have 120 seconds uh, to answer as many of the questions that I am going to rapid fire out to you. Go for it. All right. Uh, she's like, go. <laughs> All right, uh, Dalek. You ready? Yes. Um, yes. All right, and go. Ms. Marvel or Wonder Woman? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) Unicorns or dragons? Dragons. Uh, Vince McMahon or Vincent Price? Vincent Price. Last call or happy hour? Neither. (laughs) Uh, Skyrim or Skyfall? Skyrim. Uh, Schrodinger's cat or Pavlov's dog? Pavlov's dog. (laughs) 1989 Batman or 1967 Batman? 1989. 1967 is dumb. Next. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Slow cooker or pressure cooker? Pressure cooker. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Uh, Charlie Brown or Chuck Berry? Losers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Mad Max or Mad Magazine? Um, Mad Magazine. Ooh. Biggest asshole, North Star or Hank Pym? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which would taste answer. better, Smurfs or Care Bears? Care Bears. They come in different flavors. Smurfs are all blue. <laughs> 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 Do you buy a bag of all one flavor jelly beans? No, you don't. <laughs> uh, Black Twitter or Black Mirror? I haven't seen Black Mirror, so Black Twitter. East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. Fuck West Coast. <laughs> a million dollars for like 12 square feet with like, no, fuck West Coast, no. Fahrenheit 451 or 1984? Fahrenheit 451. Uh, what kind of apocalypse would you not survive? Zombie, robot, alien, vampire, or smurf? Anyone who says they would survive any of those is lying. It's called an apocalypse for a reason. None of us would make it. 
I freaking love the answer. These are the best answers ever. And we came in under time, too. Yeah, and just so I can expand on the Chuck Berry thing, I'm pretty sure, unless I have it completely wrong, in which case I apologize, he's the guy who has been filming women in the bathroom at his restaurant. Wait, has he? Isn't he dead? Yeah, he that was him. That was him. Wow, he did that too. I didn't know that. He's super gross. Women, so yeah, yeah. And he married his thirteen-year-old cousin, right? Yeah, fuck that dude. (laughs) Poor Charlie Brown getting caught in the crossfire, though. No, don't get me wrong. Don't get. All right, here's the thing about Charlie Brown. Like that sad sack shit can take a hike. I'm sorry. I'm like, (laughs) no. No, here's the thing. Some of us don't have the like. Some of us don't have the luxury of sort of indulging feeling bad about ourselves, even though we don't fucking try. Like, no, get out, put a helmet on and get out there. They kicked that damn football. Oh, that girl right, doesn't like me. That oh. girl doesn't like me, so I'm oh. going to just be this creepy-ass stalker and stare at her from behind a tree. That's not cute. That's never been cute. Uh-uh. <laughs> Fuck them both. <laughs> See? I mean, Spike. <laughs> See, Spike. <laughs> See? For mayor. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. For mayor. I am voting. Oh my I'm, god, just as a culture, we have this preoccupation with sad sack dudes. It's like, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> I just love hearing honesty. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm, we, we, we listen we, to all your answers. <laughs> we, wow. we, we love you, Spike. Thank you. And we love yeah. having you on. Gotta have you oh, back again. Thank you so sometime. much. I love, I love doing this. Oh, you need to just be a venom. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is just too much fun. I don't have to worry about being employable, so it's like, whatever, let's do this. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're not going to employ you either, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be running for president one day, and they'll be all like, um, about this podcast. I'm like, yeah, what about it? No, oh, it was all about free. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Do you like Charlie Brown? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ball head, one curl in the front. <laughs> Fofo. <laughs> Did you ever once consider maybe the little redhead girl doesn't like you for a good reason? <laughs> Why do we like the dog so much? Your dog's cooler than you. How sad is that? <laughs> is the nickname cool? Yeah. His bird is more cooler than you. <laughs> but yeah, I am not enamored with like 90% of what people consider classic classic comics for various reasons. But Crazy Cat, still the fucking king. Okay. If you've never read a Crazy Cat comic, you need to. Oh God, uh, Bill Watterson a, like swore by Crazy Cat. I remember for in the, good uh, reason. For good reason. A lot of people don't realize this, but Crazy Cat is also by a person of color. George Harriman was born a colored person in New Orleans. He moved north to pass for white and told everyone he was Greek. So one of wow. the creators of one of the greatest comics ever produced in North America was a person of color. Yep. Dang. Okay. Again, uh, the truth. So what are your thoughts about Garfield? If you want me to be totally real about Garfield, I think what Garfield sets out <laughs> Garfield sets out to do something and it successfully fulfills what it set out to do. 
what happened is Jim Davis looked at the comics section and went, I see a lot of comics about dogs, but I don't see any comics for cats. Cats are becoming the most popular pet in America. I'm going to make a cat comic. He sat down. He said, okay, let's do some details about this cat comic. He hates his owner. He hates his owner's dog. He loves lasagna. He hates Mondays. Okay, super relatable. Let's do this. And he made the comic. It did exactly what he wanted it to do. It got super popular. He merchandised it because that was always the fucking plan. Garfield is cynical. Garfield had a end goal. Garfield was made to make Jim Hen- Jim Davis rich. It accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And I see absolutely no problem with approaching things that cynically if you can fucking live with yourself. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I actually like Heathcliff. Can you make me not like Heathcliff? <laughs> <laughs> no. And the thing is, I, I don't like Garfield, but Garfield isn't for me. It's explicitly not for me. So... No, I agree. Uh, I don't like so, anybody anymore. Again, <laughs> it got weird ever since John got the girl. <laughs> for, but fortunately, fortunately, I, as a black woman, yeah. grew up understanding that not everything made on planet Earth is for my consumption and approval. So it's like I don't have this weird hate chip, hate boner for Garfield that lots of people develop when they encounter media not made specifically prior to prioritizing their things. For the very first time. Wow. Anyway. We could just have you on basically and just breaking down things people love. I would love that. I would love just doing a, like another podcast basically of Spike just breaking down stuff. We could do that. We could do that. And a dialect moment. I'm not trying to, like, keep you guys here or anything, but I think we're at a really interesting point in a lot of popular media right now where certain segments of the demographic population are being confronted with popular media stuff that does not prioritize what they want to see, and they are not handling it well. Some of us have literally always lived that way. So, yeah. Yeah, I got you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you anyway, for coming on tonight. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Oh, God, we need you back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Back my drip, everybody. Come back, promote Check. Timorous Beastie. Come back, promote the FTL, y'all, when that comes out in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, check out her drip, which... Yeah, uh, drip, yeah. definitely. D.R.I.P. Slash Iron Spike, all one word. And, of course, check her out on Twitter at at Iron underscore Spike, and, of course, IronCircus.com, which is the main site for the for the publishing company. Yep. Anything else you want to shout out real quick? Um, gosh, I don't know. Let me think. Um, there is a publishing company called Power and Magic Press. Let me see if I'm going to get this right. Power and Magic Press. There we go. They put out anthologies primarily right now, but they are POC-operated, and their anthologies are queer witch comic anthologies. And if you are interested in witches, yeah, and you are interested in work overseen, and a lot of them made by uh, marginalized people, both people who are um, members of sexual and gender minorities, as well as racial minorities, and women. I can't say women are minority, because there's 51% of us in this country, but whatever. Yes. Um, Check out... Yes, that's true. That's accurate. Yeah. That is accurate, Toby. Yes. So I was yeah. joking. We take less risks and we live longer. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Power of Magic Press is cool. It's run by Jomiette Gill. And you should check out the Queer Witch anthologies. There are multiple ones. So. Cool. Again, thank you for coming on. And you are more than welcome to come on at any time. Listen, oh, thank you, you just, so much. Thanks for in. having me. You will be 
beam you up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next month's show, which is December 14th, we have our annual holiday gift guide and those last minute for those last minute gift purchases, as well as a year on recap of stuff. I know Dalek has something on, in the works. Find me everything. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you have show or segment ideas for the future, head us up at five nerdy venoms at gmail dot com. Uh, Tuesday on our regular show, which starts at nine p.m., we have our reviews of Justice League. It's oh, not ready. In case of Toby, he's going to see Star. We we've decided you're going to yeah, see Star. Toby's going to be seeing yep, the Star, no, so no, we'll no, be learning no. about how like you know a talking animals. No, no Denzel. Yeah, no Denzel for you. You're going to get I'm going to see all the stars in Justice League. Y'all going to leave me alone. And I'm no, like, you're going to be seeing the star. You're going to be seeing that hip-hop camel, and you're going to tell us how delightful it is. Okay. I will, I will try my best. It has it both is... Oprah and Mariah Carey. You have to see them. Wait, yes. she's in there? Yes. yes. You suckers. Why? I gotta yeah, see, I mean, Oprah's got fuck you money. She's allowed to do that stuff. Right on. <laughs> All right. That's been like the term of the night. Fuck you, money. Anyway, if, and for Saturday Night Sci-Fi Geeks or Brother has scheduled something, I guess, whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be good. Look us up at on Twitter, of course, Jonathan J. Stone Zero, RT Man at Shadow Scout, Howard Toby, uh, MDog957, Real Lord Dalek, uh, Sharia22, that's our silent wonder, Aaliyah underscore she, that's Twitterella herself, Illuminous with two E's, Philorican underscore Uno, and of course... Geek Soul Brother, and check us out, of course, at Five Nerdy Venoms. Uh, also, check out GeekSoulBrother.com for reviews and commentary from the main of the Delta Quadrant and from the rest of us. Also, hit that donate button. It's that Don't Hate button. Stop hating. <laughs> also, check out the Patreon page. Uh, GSB is set up this uh, set up as well. Uh, so that's it. Maybe on drip eventually. Yeah, on drip uh, eventually. Yes. Exactly. Watch how things are going over there. It's, I'm really excited. I'm obviously as part of the the launch the launch group. I am privy to information that folks were not. So I'm really excited with how things are developing over there. They have a statue made of gold made for, <laughs> for Spike at the Kickstarter headquarters. No, honestly, they know how much I love them, and I appreciate how much they do for me. So it's a very mutual kind of thing. Yeah, keep it rolling. But yeah. Yep. Uh, so Thanks, that's everybody. it. Uh, enjoy Thank your weekend you. before Thank Thanksgiving you. and come back and join us on Tuesday. Until then, remember, gobble, gobble, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.